Hey everybody, and welcome to the Fluential and Friends podcast, where the story of your life can help somebody else's life story. My name is Joseph Ortiz. I'm here with my two amazing guests today, Haley and Christine. How are we doing today, ladies? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> thank, you, thank you guys for taking the time to come out and sit with me today. Um, I really feel like we're going to have an important conversation and I feel like for what you guys do, it's going to be very important for the kind of day and age that we live in right now. So for people who don't know, what do you guys do? Yeah, we are Marriage Family Therapist Associates. Okay. So you guys are dealing with people who basically mental health, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of your profession where you guys are working on. And like I said, for this day and age right now, I feel like mental health is such a big subject. A lot of people are coming out coming out more now about mental health issues about how they're feeling and they're seeking therapy now and it's, it's becoming more and more popular which is really good because back in the day back in my day i'm a little old <laughs> um, a lot of people will kind of bottle up those emotions right and mm -hmm. a lot of especially men were very intimidated scared whatever the terminology is to go and seek help where nowadays I feel like it's becoming more and more common to go seek a therapist and get the help that you that you need. For your guys' profession and for what you guys do, are you guys noticing an influx in males coming to seek more therapy? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people too, when they do come in are saying, you know, my family doesn't know that I'm here or um, my family doesn't really believe in mental health. And so a lot of people from different backgrounds, especially males are stepping forward to say, hey, I need help. And I think that's really amazing. Yeah, that's definitely very, very important. And so do what do you guys feel like is was the main factor to kind of make that change happen? Do you think it was like due to social media? Because that's that's where I'm seeing a lot is for the whole mental health thing for males. I see a lot of social media where it's getting a lot more awareness and a lot more attention. Is that where you guys kind of see it as well? Yeah, um, I would agree. Social media, I think it's just becoming a lot more normalized. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing wrong with receiving help and, you know, receiving just counsel. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of, I do want to go over what kind of got you guys into the, the, the therapist field. Um, that's kind of what this show is all about. We'll kind of go back into the early days and we'll kind of filter through what kind of got you guys where you guys are today. And But I do have a lot of questions towards the end of this episode to kind of go over more your profession and what you guys do day to day. So for you, Haley, like when you were growing up, like was anybody in your family a therapist? Like where this, did this passion kind of come into fruition from? Mm -hmm. That's such a i guess loaded question um yeah take your time i would say i think most therapists have a big story onto how they uh, became how they got into this field mine didn't really start i didn't really become interested until late high school um and i can kind of go into what that was like for me yeah. uh, essentially growing up was really chaotic um there's a lot of fighting growing up in the home it was very broken um so there was like a lot of that um, I had. Um, there wasn't really mm, just normalcy and how to relate to one another. Uh, it was really hard, I would say, in um, certain age groups or certain times in my life, it was very difficult. And uh, the biggest, so, sorry, I'm getting lost here. You're fine, take your time. Um, let me just, yeah, so childhood was rough. Um, my parents then got divorced at, 
at the age of 13, and that was a pretty ugly divorce. It affected me a lot. Uh, there was just, I would say, like, the family completely, like, spun out of control. I am the youngest of four uh, siblings. And um, I think it's also important to share, like, my faith in this story, too. I, I grew up Christian. Uh, my mom was my biggest, like, spiritual leader. Um, she, I was just so close to her, and she really kind of modeled, like, what Jesus was like for me. And that was really inspiring. However, uh, throughout the divorce, uh, she began coping with alcoholism. And that was just something I never saw coming. And so most of my high school, actually all of high school, she was addicted to alcohol. And I kind of kept that to myself because I was, you know, living with her one week, living with my dad. And then my siblings were older. They're out of the house. So they didn't really get to see anything. And so... I don't know. Those are some just of the scariest, like, loneliest times of my life. I felt like I had to protect my mom, especially because she was a strong Christian woman, and I just felt like people didn't understand why she was suffering. Um, I saw it all. I could, I, I related. I saw how much uh, pain she had, um, but I, I didn't know how to help her. I wanted uh, just to protect her, so I held that. I carried that burden all by myself throughout high school. Uh, super painful. Um, and during those years, I saw my own therapist um, once or twice, and someone actually kind of prophesied over me. They were like, Haley, you're going to be a therapist. And I said, no, I'm not. Like, I had no interest. I really want to be an architect. I don't know why. I just really like that. Uh, no interest in psychology at all. Um, and however, as I was going through the stuff with my mom, I kind of felt like, you know, we can, I have the opportunity to make pain and make it beautiful. Um, the suffering doesn't have to go to waste. And I just felt like I had this gift of empathy and understanding and relating to others. Um, I could see so much more beyond the behavior of what, of what was going on. I could see like the hurt. Um, and then I actually had my senior year, I had a uh, one of my psychology teachers. Uh, he was just like a light in my life and took the opportunity to just like listen to me and uh, validate me and help me. And I think just knowing there was a field out there um, really just like motivated me. And so uh, that's kind of when my interest, interest started. Uh, and, and then I went to college at Cal Baptist University, did my undergrad in psychology, and then got married <laughs> right after I graduated. And then, you know, a year went by, I kind of just wanted to pause and make sure like this was the right fit for me. Um, and it was. And so I, I went and entered the master's program um, about a year, year and a half later. And yeah, that's that's why. <laughs> so for you being the youngest and seeing this, did that kind of have an effect on your life as well growing up? Did you ever kind of suffer with the alcoholism as well by watching your mother? you asking if like I suffered from like alcohol like addiction. as you yeah. got older. No. So um I guess I left that part out of my story. Also, growing up, there's a lot of addiction in the home amongst with other family members. And so I really saw just how strong, like, the genetic gene, um, the addiction gene is what I meant to say, I'm sorry, uh, was in the family. And so it kind of was like, I don't want anything a part of this, and I'm such a risk for it, mm -hmm. that I kind of had this mentality of, I don't ever want to put my husband or my future family members through this. And so I decided from a very early age, like I was not going to drink um, because of that. Um, 
so I have no idea if I could, if I'm, if I'm an alcoholic or if I could ever be, but I chose just to not even go down that road. Yeah, that, that's got to be very tough as you're getting older and kind yeah. of watching that kind of unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, when people come to you now and they're suffering from something similar like alcoholism, mm-hmm. is it easier for you to relate to them now and is it easier for you to help them process their pain due to what you experienced growing up Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit of both and this is something we have to be careful with as therapists is having countertransference where it's a little too close to home and we're responding out of our own emotions yeah emotions and our hurt and our own experience Uh, I will say like certain times I do share my personal story Um, It's called self-disclosure, and I have seen that open up the room for uh, my clients where they feel understood, they feel heard, they feel validated, they feel like they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I guess overall, um, it does help me, like, relate more. As you're going through, like, college years and you're starting to go through your master's program and whatnot, what were some of the, um, the benefits that you found from going to school? Like... How did you use the knowledge you're getting to deal with your past experiences? I love that question so much. (laughs) I think I grew so much as an individual by going through the master's program and within my first year as a therapist. We just, we learned so much and we learned to really self-evaluate of what's going on. And I started learning why I do the things that I do. And, you know, I learned I was, I was so angry. and a lot of that had to do because I did not let my emotions out and I bottled them up. I, if anyone asks, I'm like the most smiley, like happy person. Like in high school, no one would ever know something was wrong or that my mom was suffering so bad. Um, I kept it all in. And so I was kind of like a volcano at certain times. I would just like explode and I would go into like rage or I'd just be like crying. My poor husband's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. But through all my schooling, I learned, oh, it's because these emotions have to come out somewhere. I've never dealt with any of this. I never talked about it. I never healed from it. And it just gave me a lot of insight into my own life. Um, For you, Christine, um, as you're growing up, how did you kind of come into this field? Yeah, I would say my family was a lot more of like a mixing pot situation. So we pretty much had everything. So at the age of two, my biological mom and dad got divorced and then, there was another marriage in there. Um, my mom married my stepdad when I was eight. And then, you know, I, all of a sudden I had older step siblings. My biological dad died when I was 13 and he had a history of alcoholism as well as drug addiction. And Were so, you guys close as well growing up, even though the divorce happened? No, we actually had kind of like an estranged relationship. He was that absent father who would call you on your birthday and like send a gift mm-hmm. every two years or so. And then one day we just got a letter in the mail from social security that said, sorry for your loss. And so we had a lot of confusion and loss at a young age. And then um, the home we grew up in, you know, as much as we can like say that we love our families and, you know, who they are for us, we can also admit that we came from broken places. And so my family had a lot of like verbal abuse and emotional abuse that was happening. And so while it wasn't ever physical, it still had impacts in other realms. Um, And so growing up, um, we had a lot of situations. I had a brother that had a lot of behavioral issues um, and was just really angry, understandably, where we came from. And so I watched my parents take us through family therapy, and I saw that therapist, and I thought, like, you know, she's a trooper for, like, sitting here with these people. 
Um, and I never actually wanted to be a therapist. I didn't think that was for me, but my personality is just very much helper. It's, um, you know, whatever anybody else needs, like that's all that matters. And so I saw that through myself um, probably until I graduated high school and I started community college and was like, you know, I don't know what to do. I was going to be a lawyer. Um, And I did my senior project in high school with a lawyer in a courtroom. And I thought, like, I want to help people, but not like this. Like, this is Mm -hmm. the end of the road where people are, like, fighting over a dollar value. And I want to help be proactive in the approach. And so um, I took some personality tests with a career counselor. And she gave me a list of, like, 2,000 that matched me. And the only one in that entire list was marriage and family therapists. And I thought, like, okay, then there's something here. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that because you went to school for administration of justice because you wanted to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so... I do want to touch on how that kind of happened. Like what made you want to be a lawyer at, at, at what point? I think I, I think I wanted to fight for maybe people like me in mm-hmm. a sense, like where, you know, my dad gave up custody. He just said like, I can't pass a drug test, so I'm out. And I think I wanted to fight for the kids who were in that situation. And so I didn't know what kind of law I wanted to do, but I just wanted to fight for justice. And um, I think that's where the passion came from. And then it turned into a compassion instead of, um, you know, just like that fighting nature. And so it came to like, I want to help people before they get to that point. I love that because because you're still helping, but now you're helping in a, in a different way than what you thought originally. Yeah. So when you made the career change, um, how was that? Because now you kind of almost have to start over, right? How old were you when you kind of made that decision? I was only a sophomore in college. Okay. And so I had only done general eds and I was not doing well at community college. I failed geography. Like I just didn't have any interest. And so um, once I passed that test, um, that's actually when I found Cal Baptist. Um, through somebody I had worked with and I just checked out the school and the Lord worked everything out to where it was like all of a sudden I could transfer when two weeks before I couldn't um, and so it just all these doors opened and that's kind of where it all started so so same thing same question I had for Haley so mm-hmm. as you're kind of going through the the schooling now and you're and you're learning all this new terminology and you're learning how to assess people's personalities when do you start to notice your own? When do you start to notice like, oh, this is also why I act like this. This is why I react to certain situations this way. When did that kind of start to happen? Oh my gosh. Uh, probably the day we started, I'd say it's such a refining process, not just grad school, but you know, in the center that we trained at, like it was very much faith-based where we got to not only grow clinically, but also spiritually. And I think a lot of things were revealed in myself and I think the other trainees too, where, you know, we didn't know that these things were issues. And so I'd say it was through grad school, it was through um, training, it was through becoming a therapist. And then even in my own relationship and getting engaged in like so many things came out where it's like, there's so much dysfunction I hadn't healed from. And like all these healing opportunities presented themselves to now I'm still working through them. I always will be, but you know, it's one day at a time. And I think it's given us the tools that we need. Um, But I'd say every step of our journeys has been given to us for a reason because now we have people sit in, sit on the couch in the room with us and say, Hey, I'm going through this. And it's like, Oh, I have this in my toolbox. Like, let me pull that out. Yeah. So that's actually one thing I wanted to touch on. So like, as, as you're going through this process, right. And I think a lot of people, when they think of a psychologist, they think you guys have it all figured out for your own personal lives because you guys did the schooling, you guys know personalities, you guys know how to deal or you know, you guys are supposed to know how to deal with, you know, negative emotions and certain type of situations. But in reality, you guys are human as well. And you guys still struggle with your own, you know, personal life, you know, issues from day to day. Whenever you guys do run into this, like, especially with your spouses, um, Christine, are you married? 
No, I get married in nine days, actually. Oh, well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So when you guys are going through your own like relationship stuff, like, do you guys drive your husband, fiance kind of crazy because you guys are using like more school terminology? Like, this is how we need to deal with this. They're such troopers, I would say, just because like we just need to talk all the time and like we're verbal processors. So yeah. they're definitely troopers, but I wouldn't say... I don't think we use terminology, maybe, or maybe they just don't say anything to or, us. Or, <laughs> or you guys are, and nobody realizes it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is the relationship like uh, between a psychiatrist and a therapist? Like, what's is there a difference between those two? Yeah, yeah. Um, so a psychiatrist is somebody who specializes. I mean, they have a doctorate first of all. They specialize in assessment and treatment of like medication, whereas psychologists um do testing, and then psychotherapists are talk therapy. So we primarily sit in the therapy room. We do interventions, but we don't do testing. Got it. Got it. And there was a question I had for you, uh, for you, Haley. Um, we texted about this a little bit earlier, um, because since you deal with a lot of like family therapy and relationships and stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you noticing a increase when it comes to the divorce rate lately compared to the past? Yes. Let me think about how I want to answer this first, actually. Yeah, take your time. Well, like, what I've noticed what the most, or the most recent uh, research has been showing is that there has been a decrease in divorce rates. I'm not personally seeing that in the room because I personally am not seeing too many couples on the verge of divorce at all. I think more people are being more open to therapy and maybe that's why, um, yeah. Why it might like flatline or yeah, be stagnant for a mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, because back to the whole social media thing, right? Like we kind of feel like we see it a lot now, mm-hmm. like a lot of single mm-hmm. parents and you know, people leaving their spouses. It's becoming, in my opinion, more readily available due to social media right like we Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to kind of fall into temptation now and it's a lot easier to see things that you like as far as like social media right like uh, of the opposite gender and so if you know it it, it's it hits more close to home nowadays where before growing up like divorce was like really never a thing especially when i was a kid where now since I'm older, you know, I'm in my 30s now, I feel like a lot of people that I know that are getting married, you know, they last a few years, they have kids, and then they end up splitting. And I feel like we're starting to see a little bit more and more. And I want to just to ask, like, do you feel like social media is a big reason for that? Not only because of just Instagram itself, but more of the dating apps, like the Tinder and stuff like that. I'd say there's probably a definite possibility. I think, um, you know, that saying like there's plenty of fish in the sea. I think some people may take that to a new extent where it's like, well, if, you know, if this doesn't work out like fight or flight, then I'm just going to find something else. And so we're not really learning, I'd say, the conflict resolution that's necessary for healthy relationships. And I think because of that, we've kind of put relationships on a conveyor belt and we're just like on to the next if it doesn't work. And so I think we're, we might be as a whole, I think, maybe lacking um I have to think of how I want to finish that statement. Uh, We might be lacking the skills that we need to have healthy relationships all around. And I think that may be also what's leading, you know, because what does go to marriage then is like, if we didn't resolve these things in dating, Mm -hmm. you know, the me issues now become we issues. And now we have a marriage that doesn't solve everything. And now we still have bigger problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when it comes to like the whole dating life, like a lot of my friends that are my age that are still single, they're like, I'm probably never going to get married because social media 
And mm. I don't want to make this whole episode about it, but I feel like that is a big defining factor. Mm. And that's just anecdotal evidence that, that for my, what I'm hearing from my friends and family members who, you know, are single, it's just like, it, like you said, it's, like, it's a big dating pool now. And it makes it so much easier to kind of jump from one person to another person to another person. Another person is easier to talk to multiple people than it was in the past before social media was such a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to kind of go past the whole social media thing a little bit. When it comes to people finding a therapist, uh, what are like a few red flags that that therapist probably won't work out for that person? Yeah. One thing I always like to tell people is finding a therapist is like dating. So if things feel off and you feel like there's a disconnect, there probably is. And that's okay. And to find like, you know, the next therapist, uh, don't let, don't stay in it if it doesn't feel right. Um, As far as red flags, I think there's a few. Uh, One, I think, is either not validating at all or over validating where just they're too... Can you help me here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they may not have, they may not be like providing any value and they may just be like, yeah, I can understand why you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not actually offering like the solutions yeah. to the problem at hand or at least mm-hmm. exercises to help improve the situation. Mm-hmm. Got it. What are some things that people should know about therapy that they probably don't? Because like for me personally, I've never seen a therapist. I've never been to therapy. Like if I wanted to search it for the first time, like what are some things that I should kind of know about it? Yeah, I think maybe don't have expectations. Okay. In a sense of, you know, it's not going to be this dark white room with somebody in a lab coat and you're going to lay on a couch. Um, And I know that's (laughs) not really the idea anymore, but that is what it was for a long time. So I would say removing your expectations, um, not only for the therapist, but also for your own healing, because it's not a linear process. It's not, we're going to talk through this and then this and then this, and then you're out of here. Like some people start and they're in there for four weeks and others are in there for four years. And it just depends on what you're walking through and what else is uncovered as you go through the journey. Mm -hmm. And I would also say you don't have to have this big, terrible problem to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. It can be simple. You could just use it for insight, someone to listen to you for just basic personal growth. Um, you know, you don't have to struggle with addiction or divorce or relationship issues. Um, I think overall it can benefit anyone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Well, I think that is a big thing, right? Because a lot of people feel like, oh, well, the person I know going to therapy, their issues are bigger than mine. So Mm -hmm. I must, I probably don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's probably like a lot of people's, especially for a guy, right? Like, oh, my buddy's going, but he was a war veteran and I never been to war. I don't suffer from the stuff that he's suffering from. So I probably don't need it. You Mm -hmm. know, I grew up, my parents had a divorce. It's not as bad. You know, a lot of people kind of do that comparison when it comes to justifying why they shouldn't go. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good point to kind of, to kind of say about, it doesn't matter how big your issue is. If it's a consistent issue that is kind of changing your mindset and affecting your day, day to day life, it could be a a good thing to go seek. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to touch on relationships. Um, there's a quote I I personally enjoy. You could tell me if it's wrong or not. Um, it's from Will Smith, which I know probably now is probably not a good person to take advice from when it comes <laughs> to relationships. <laughs> but uh, there's a quote I like. He says, um, it's not my wife's job to make me happy. It's my job to make me happy. And it's her job to make herself happy. And then when we get together, our happiness kind of complements each other. Do you feel that is correct when it comes to relationships? Do you feel like it is your personal responsibility to keep 
yourself happy and you shouldn't rely 100% on your spouse? I think I would agree to an extent. I think relationships are meant to edify Mm -hmm. one another. And so, you know, that's not saying that you have to be 100% all the time. I think it's okay to like have a bad day, like you're just in a rough season. I think it's finding a partner that is going to walk through those with you. And so doing everything you can to make sure that you're moving in the right direction and your partner as well. And that way, when you guys come together, like it's, that's what it's meant for. Mm -hmm. It complements each other. Yeah. Yeah. And while at the same time, I think, you know, you're working on yourself. Um, your partner should also be learning about those things as well um, for you. So like I'm learning about my husband and things that make him happy. And so I'm constantly trying to do those um, and he's trying to meet my needs. And so when you have two people meeting each other's needs, um, the needs are met and right. Happiness, um, mm-hmm. fulfillment. When people break up or get divorced, whatever it may be, when whenever people split, regardless of they're married or just boyfriend and girlfriend, one thing I always see on social media is that person is always like, I'm going to do better now. I'm going to get in shape now. I'm going to get that revenge body or I'm going to go pursue this career now since we broke up. Why don't people do that when they're in the relationship? Why do people wait until a breakup or a divorce for them to pursue to make themselves better individually. And I know know that kind of complements the the last question because a lot of people, they'll kind of become stagnant in a relationship and they don't want to thrive or strive for more in life until something like that happens. Yeah, I I think it, it even goes hand in hand with like, you know, the whole dating process and then you get into, you know, six months of dating and you get comfortable and like all like the, the food date weights have caught up to you and you know, it's, I think it just starts to snowball, but I think people get stagnant and in the same way with their physical bodies, I think they do as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they haven't had goals for a long time because they were all just comfortable together. Well, now you've had some kind of pain that's been insinuated and now there's a propeller for change, but it may not be lasting change because it's dependent on an event. Mm. So I think therapy can be a huge benefit in like constructing the long-term change like mentally so that you can have that outcome. Yeah, because for me, being a personal trainer, I do tend to see that. Like, I'll have a male or female come to me and like, oh, I want to get in shape. I'm like, okay. And I always ask people, like, what's your why? Like, why do you want to get in shape? And they're like, oh, well, me and my husband, we just split up. And now I want to get in really good shape. I, I want to look good because I'm going to, you know, start dating again. And one thing that kind of goes through my head is I'm like, well, why didn't why didn't you do that from the beginning? Like, why weren't you doing that when you're with him or vice versa? Why weren't you doing that when you're with her? Like, why, why, why wait for this type of event when you could have just done that from the get go and then you would have felt more confident about yourself and that probably would have changed the situation you're in currently. You probably wouldn't be here in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's not my, my place to say any <laughs> of that, but I think it, yeah. and I, I feel like for anybody who's in that position right now, like don't become stagnant in your relationship, right? Don't kind of hit that comfort level. I feel like whether you're in a relationship or not, you should always strive to be the best version of yourself Mm -hmm. not just for yourself but for your partner as well right like you 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 should always want a partner to do better and i think that's the reason why me and my wife do so well because although we've been together for nine plus years now we've been married for almost two years now we're always continually working ourselves regardless you know separately we're still like in good physical health we're still striving in in our businesses separately like we we never kind of hit that like steady 
like lazy point. Mm-hmm. I know it's probably bad terminology to say the word lazy, but but it's the truth. Like we're always trying to do more and do more and do more. And I think that's what keeps the excitement also in the, re- in the relationship mm-hmm. because no one is becoming like just so dependent on the other person, you know? And people would, I know, kind of ask me every once in a while, like, oh, like if you and your wife were ever separate, like what would change about your life? And I go, I mean, like personally, almost nothing. Because I would continue to work out the way I do. I would continue to run my business the way I do. Um, like, so when it comes to that type of stuff, like, I feel like people should always kind of strive to be the best they can. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, back to what you said about like the dating and the pursuing, like the marriages that succeed are the ones that never stop dating in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with the relationship with yourself. If you're going to have a successful relationship, you know, me, myself and I, like you need to always be pursuing your interests, your hobbies, like what you value, your people, all of those things. Yeah, I think that's super, super important. So when you guys are dealing with like the marriage counseling and stuff like that, what are some of the most common issues that you hear that people complain about with their spouses? I know it's probably different from men complaining about their wives and then wives (laughs) complaining about their husbands. So maybe we could do both. Like what are the main things you hear wives complain about their husbands? As much you guys can <laughs> safely say, cause I know yeah. obviously due to like your privacy mm-hmm. of, of clients, you guys can't mm-hmm. say too much, but on we'll try to like borderline it, right? We'll yeah. kind of tiptoe around it and maybe you guys can offer some help for mainly the viewers at home. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one thing I'd like to say is everyone truly is so different. Like there's not a lot of repetitiveness in the room, um, but I think overall common themes is communication a lack of feeling validated or important i always like to use attachment theory uh, when dealing with couples um, and that really kind of helps them understand what they're looking for in relationships and when we really dive into that we find what needs um, aren't being met so i think to break it down it's someone isn't getting a need and they're feeling dismissed they're feeling unimportant they're feeling disrespected typically right the the wives are the ones that do feel like unloved unappreciative and like the husbands feel disrespected not valued yeah because the needs of a man and and the needs of a woman are different right Mm -hmm. like um are the love languages a real thing like physical touch quality time Mm -hmm. um words of affirmation gifts acts of service right five yeah Man, that's I'll t- I didn't even study yeah. that. I, have, I, <laughs> that was I, don't, job. I don't have that written down or nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, they're absolutely real. And I think they I think the thing people miss and we're not taught about them is that you can give and receive different love languages. And so just because like your spouse's physical touch and your words of affirmation doesn't mean that, you know, you can't cater to that on either side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I mean, for example, like I am very much like a words of affirmation. I like to receive that, but I like to give quality time. Mm. And so as long as like, you know, my fiance knows that and like the people in my life know that, like we all get along great, right? But I wanna know how they give and how they receive because it's kind of a dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to to know. Yeah, and to go <laughs> to kind of go back to that. Um, so originally my wife's main love language was quality time. But now since we both have our own businesses and we're able to make more time for each other, she changed hers to acts of service. And we just okay. had this conversation recently and I'm like, you can't be changing your love language. That should be like against the rules. <laughs> <laughs> You're switching it up on me now. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, um, words of affirmation is definitely my, my number one, you know, like compliment me, 
appreciate me, mm-hmm. tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very, I'm very easy to please. Um, so when it comes to, to love language, do you guys ever teach that or at least mention it during the therapy sessions? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, when needed, I would say I would have couples fill out the, um, take the quiz and then mm. start implementing that. That's like their homework for the week is yeah. complete something on their, um, that goes with their love language. Yeah, because that, that like grew a lot within the last like what, one or two years and that I think the book got really, really popular that came out mm-hmm. about the love languages. And I started to see it flow everywhere. And then my wife was like, I'm going to buy the book and we're going to read it, which we did. And but also it, it helped, you know, and I try to have an open mind approach to it. So as soon as she bought it, I was like, OK, well, let me see which one's going to. It was a very easy read. So for anybody out there who's thinking about like looking into it, I want to get your guys' opinion first since mm-hmm. you guys approve. Um, I do really recommend it because it was, it was such an easy read. Mm-hmm. And once you kind of find the one that suits you, you're like, oh, that's kind of why I act like this in relationships or that's why my last relationship didn't work because mm-hmm. this need wasn't being met and I didn't know how to pinpoint exactly what was the issue, you know? And so I think that, that could definitely help a lot of people out. Mm-hmm. So um, before we started the podcast though Haley had me do a personality test so she sent she sent two to me and I came up as avoidant avoid avoidant <laughs> and yeah. I, I don't like the t- I don't, I don't like the title it's attachment <laughs> style quiz not necessarily a personality quiz oh there we go mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I definitely want the right terminology for that yeah and yeah so I came up as the avoider or avoidant mm-hmm. and on both right yeah on both yeah, yeah so. you gave me two different tests and they mm-hmm. both came up exactly the same consistency so what can you say about that? Avoidant? Yes. Emotions make you uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're very practical. Um, probably somewhere in early childhood, you kind of learned that like maybe emotions were bad. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't necessarily learn that they are good. And so now as like an adult, they make you uncomfortable. And uh, Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was... Do you have a different question? <laughs> no, not really. I, I was just going to defend myself and say that that's not true, but it is true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what people... You're the therapist. I'll let yeah. You not everyone really <laughs> understands what attachment is. Um, and essentially, it starts from like early childhood. And that's really just how we view and see the world. It's all these messages coming in, whether that's through actions or words. Um, and they essentially just inform you on what you expect from relationships, how you receive and express love and how you respond to others in stressful situations. And so I think it's a great framework to work not only with yourself individually, um, but with couples. Yeah, whenever I was going over that and I was reading like the personality traits about myself and I was like, yeah, yeah that's me. <laughs> like the, the main thing is, and that's one thing I, one thing I always kind of heard growing up was I lack empathy, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Like I know I do. And so when people like come to me to complain, I'm very like, hey, suck it up. Mm-hmm. It, that's life. You know, even when it comes to things like death, I'm always like, hey, the circle of life. And that's <laughs> part of the process. We're literally on this planet to die. And I, I guess I see things in a different view, I guess you can say. Um, but for that reason, I do like empathy. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, though, I'm okay with that. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if like the whole world was full of empathetic people? I don't think we'd get anywhere. So it's like right. we need people like you to propel the change for like, hey, feel your feelings for a minute. And when you're ready to do something about it, come find me. Yes. And yeah, I guess it's okay until it becomes a problem for you and your relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. If mm-hmm. if your wife's not liking that you're not empathetic, then 
maybe you have a problem. But, you know, if it's not a problem for you now, then I think you're fine. Yeah. And like I said, I think for us being together for nine plus years, like she understands my personality. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, too, um, before the podcast, we, we talked about this a little bit. I was like, I've gotten better. Like, I'll listen to her stories now and I'll try to <laughs> offer, um, so, you know, solutions right away which is not what she wants to hear she doesn't mm-hmm. want and i'm very like okay that's the issue what's the solution mm-hmm. and she's like no just listen to me i'm like okay i listen though but yeah. <laughs> now let's figure it out how we can make it better yeah which is so <laughs> funny that's one of the first things i think we learned as when we were going through our trainee year um is as therapists and just being human we just so badly want to fix and solve the problem mm-hmm. and our supervisor who's so great he's like we're not here to fix or problem solve like you're here to listen and empathize and bring insight and um but i think it is such to our core um and such a natural response to just want to provide like basic advice because you don't want to see your loved ones suffer or you're like hello it's right there yeah mm-hmm so with me growing up and uh, a small handful of people know this i suffered with anxiety like really bad like anxiety attacks um for a full year i was actually taking medication for it this is back when i was like 19 i'll be 32 in in two months so long long time ago and i'll never forget i had my first anxiety attack when i was 19 i was um, getting ready for work and i just felt my body just shaking my chest got really tight my heart rate started to skyrocket and I had no idea what was going on. So like, I got laid down and go to the doctors. I went to the EKG, check my heart. And they're like, oh, like, are you underneath a lot of stress? And I'm like, I'm 19. No, like I live at home with my parents. I have like really no bills. I have a job. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, you're just having an anxiety attack. And I'm like, oh, what's anxiety? Like, mm-hmm. you feel, like I said, I was 19. This was back in 2000 and 2010, you know, a long time ago. And so, or, man, sorry, if I'm, I'm probably getting the year completely wrong. <laughs> um, I can't math right now. <laughs> and so for me, the whole anxiety word was like a whole new world for me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I first got my main hit, though, of like what mental illness can be, you know, mm-hmm. small touch of it. And so I remember doing so much extensive research of what anxiety was because I refused to think that I had anything wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And so for a full year, I tried like natural therapies, like, um, like hypnosis and breathing techniques and stuff like that. I never seeked a therapist because like I, like I kind of mentioned earlier in the episode, I didn't feel like it was that serious to need to seek a therapist. And I was mm-hmm. 19. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I just want to try to deal with it on my own. Cause I was like mm-hmm. a young kid. And so I remember suffering with it for an entire year. And then I was like, okay, I need to take something to help me out. Um, which I believe are called SSRs, if I'm not mistaken, like something to help out with like your serotonin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I might be getting the terminology wrong on that. So I don't even remember what the doctor gave me, but they prescribed me some type of medication to help deal with the anxiety. And I used it basically as a accessory to get better because the anxiety got so bad, I was no longer able to go to the gym because I would have social anxiety attacks. And so I would walk in, be there for three minutes, couldn't breathe, I would leave and go mm-hmm. back home. It got so bad that I would kind of just seclude myself in my room sometimes because I didn't want to leave my bedroom because it was getting mm-hmm. so bad. So I got on the medication and that kind of helped me be more outgoing because I'm very extrovert with my personality. I love meeting people. I love talking. I love walking into a room and getting to know everyone, you know? And so it was pre- preventing me from being who I really was. And so... When I 
use the medication, I was able to get back into the gym, get healthy again, start working out because the doctor said um, it was most likely due to imbalance of hormones because I stopped working out for almost a year. I was very, very active previously, then I stopped almost for a year cold turkey. And he said that could have been the issue because my body was so used to getting these endorphins and these feel good hormones from exercising. And I was working out like seven days a week. And then I literally went from seven to zero. Mm -hmm. And he said that could have been the issue. So that's why I was trying to get back into the gym, but I couldn't because the anxiety was so Mm -hmm. bad. And so once I, once I was able to work out again, I started to fix my nutrition. Um, I started to slowly wean myself off of the medication to eventually I'd had to take it at all. And the doctor even warned me. He was like, you know, just be careful with this because it, it is addicting. When people take it, they enjoy the feeling because it makes them feel good and they usually get addicted to it. So luckily I was able to wean myself off with no issue, no withdrawals, nothing like that. And I took it for a year and that was kind of like my commitment to myself. I was like, I'm going to take it for a year and then I'm stopping and I'm going to find the solution. I'm going to make myself better. And so Thankfully, I was able to wean myself off and I still kind of struggle with it till this day with things. It's just very random anxiety attacks I'll get and it happens about once or twice a year and it'll hit me. It'd be really hard. And then for like two days, I have like this weird like exhaustion, like my central nervous system gets fried Mm -hmm. after having a really hard anxiety attack. But it's weird, though, because it'll hit me when nothing really triggers it. Like, I'll, it'll hit me in my sleep. Like I'll wake up already having it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I know it's happening. So I'll do the breathing techniques. I'll do, like, a self-hypnosis, like, app on the phone. Mm-hmm. I'll drink some chamomile tea. I'll do, like, some like like some things to kind of help calm me down. Mm-hmm. And it usually helps. It, it works almost every single time. And then I'll be like, okay, that's my one for the year. Like, <laughs> I, I got it done. Yeah, you yeah. know? It, it's so weird, but it happens every single year. And it's always random. I don't know what triggers it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to people with anxiety, I feel like I could relate to that. And I love when people kind of express that they have it and I'm able to offer a helping hand of what I do to control it Mm -hmm. and how I kind of dealt with it and got through it. Um, for people who are dealing with anxiety, I know it's getting more and more prominent right now in the world, especially because of social media again. Um, what are some tips and tricks that people can do that have anxiety that can help them deal with it and at what point should they seek therapy i'd say the first thing is you have to kind of figure out your triggers Mm -hmm. um and unfortunately a lot of the time it's phones um and it's that constant connectedness i don't think we were ever designed to be as reachable as we are Mm -hmm. where you can just hear a ding and all of your attention goes there you know um, so keeping a log, if you notice that you're feeling anxious symptoms of like heart racing, um, keeping a log in your phone, that's like, this happened around me and this is how I felt as a result. And then if you feel, you know, like through the things you mentioned, like breathing and chamomile tea on, you know, all the things you can try. Um, if you feel that that's not working, like seeking help and saying, I'm not sure what's happening here because a lot of times it's, it's not a surface issue. There's a root mm-hmm. issue right. that it goes back to. Yeah. And that's when we typically utilize a lot of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and we start to look at the thoughts in your brain because what often, like more often than not, we're not actually aware of how we're thinking. And so we do a lot of work in identifying thoughts, where they're coming from, finding the root. And it's so interesting, most of the times we find a negative belief system that has been built 
probably since early childhood. Mm -hmm. And that belief system, like all your thoughts are kind of feeding into that and it's triggering anxiety, it's triggering depression. And then we do a lot of work in rewiring your thought process and um, helping you think more logically and less emotionally, pointing out your unhelpful thinking styles, stuff like that. What other type of, um, I, I want to get the right terminology because um, <laughs> I just want to say what other issues do you guys deal with? Um, like, but what's the right way to say that? Like presenting problems. Yeah. Like when it comes to like OCD and ADD, ADHD. Mm-hmm. Diagnoses. There we go. That would be yeah, yeah. So, so like when it comes to like OCD, like how are some ways that people could approach that to have it better under control as well? You know, what's interesting is I think the misconception of OCD, I think a lot of people think, oh, I like things neat. I must have OCD. Or like tapping three times on stuff and checking the door three times and turn on and off the faucet three times, right? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely comes with like compulsions, like compulsive hand washing, you know, things like that. Um, That's a good question, Haley. Do you have any insight on like where you would start with that? OCD? Mm -hmm. I haven't worked personally with too many people that have struggled with OCD. A lot of times when it's severe enough, medication uh, needs to happen. And so pairing medication with therapy typically gives you the best result. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think, you know, a lot of self-awareness, understanding why, like, what is the behavior doing for you? Like, it's giving you some source of comfort and, like, understanding that, like, what's, what's it doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of going from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... I don't know if I would say I have any just like straight up tips or tricks on how to make your OCD better without just like proper therapy. Yeah. Because everyone's just so different. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure Mm -hmm. there's a huge array of ways to go about it, you know? Yeah. So you guys specialize mainly in like couples therapy, right? Well, I know Haley, you kind of like family. it's, It's really, so one of the things as like an associate is we are, hmm, we're just we're being introduced to so much so, so many different populations so many different interests that we don't really necessarily like close the door in anyone so we're not really specialized in anything yet because we're trying to figure out what we love what we're good at yeah uh, i do see couples i do see families i st- see individuals from like all ages i've done group therapy in the past um so for anyone who's curious about receiving therapy like mm-hmm. what are a couple ways they can seek out a therapist like is there a number they can text is there a, a certain location like is there a group like mm-hmm. like what's it how do you go about that yeah because even for me i have no idea <laughs> i love utilizing uh this is what i always tell my friends and family um but utilizing uh, the website psychologytoday.com and it's kind of just shopping for a therapist you mm-hmm. can put in if you have insurance you can put in your insurance your zip code the type of issues that you have or problems that you would like to work on and then from there it'll kind of filter out therapists in your area whether they're whether or not they're taking new clients um, there's that one. There's also Open Path. Uh, I think is just OpenPath.com or Open Path Psychology. I think it's Open Path. Yeah, Open Path, and that's affordable therapy. So everyone that's listed on that website, um, it's a lot more affordable, I guess, um, than most therapists. Got it. Mm-hmm. What are some trends that we're seeing right now when it comes to uh, mental health? I'd say maybe the main one I think is with our teenagers mm-hmm. um, kind of struggling with identity just in a lot of different forms, whether it be, you know, 
like self-worth or like sexual identity, gender identity, we're seeing a lot of an influx, I think, in the younger population with trying to figure out who they are Mm -hmm. with all of the outside voices of the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm also seeing like a lot of depression and suicide um, ideation. Um, That's pretty big. And I think as a whole relationship issues, whether they're coming in just individually, like there's something going on in the home or with their friends, like people don't necessarily know how to relate to one another and people are so lonely like i think that's another thing just people feel so alone in like the world that we live in which is insane considering we have technology to connect Mm -hmm. us right and that's also where the issue comes in because now we don't have to physically go see people we could just text them or see what they're doing over social media and we're kind of losing that person-to-person interaction which Mm -hmm. i think the human species as itself we are almost like a herd species we need people around us we need Mm -hmm. actual real human interaction without the use of technology yeah and you'll see it now like if you go to a restaurant or if you go to the mall you'll see a group of friends sitting with each other and they all have their heads down on their phones Mm -hmm. so they're together but they're not Mm -hmm. together right Mm -hmm. they're connected but they're also disconnected at the same time and that's kind of where that falls into play Mm-hmm. And I know there's a way you can check on your phone how many hours you guys are on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know we didn't like prep this prior to the show, but is there a certain limit that people should be on social media per day? Or do you guys have a recommendation? Oh, man. I don't know. I, so. If I could get rid of social media, I would do it. Right. <laughs> I use social media right now as like a side job that I'm doing right mm-hmm. now. Um, but it, I see how much of an effect it has in my life. And I think, you know, the first post I see, I'm already like comparing and feeling bad. And so I think it just depends on what's your threshold um, and how much you can tolerate and like where your mindset is. And maybe the type of accounts you follow, you know, I think part of that's important too. Like, you know, if it's strictly just friends or family, just to keep keep up with them, interact. But like, as soon as you may, you know, you're following these other ones that could be harmful, then maybe that's your limit. Yeah, I'm not really too sure how to. Yeah, and, I, and it's, it's only gonna get worse, right? Mm-hmm. Because now you have the VRs, and so pretty soon people are gonna be in their own world, mm-hmm. like literally their own world with the virtual reality. Yeah. where they don't even have to see the world that we're currently in. They can literally create one mm-hmm. that fits their narrative to perfection. And then when they take it off, they're no longer in this perfect world. And that's just going to make anxiety and depression even more extreme. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I see like this new technology coming out with the whole metaverse and stuff like that, I just think like, man, this is just going to mess people up so, so much more because mm-hmm. <clears throat> like you said, it's depend it's depend on the pages you follow. It's already bad enough that you can follow all the pages that agree with what you believe. Mm-hmm. And so, whether it's political, whether it's gender identity, whether it's your belief system, your religion, like you can follow all the pages that agree with just the stuff you believe in. Mm-hmm. And so, when somebody goes against that you feel like it's the wrong direction because you're like, well, I see people agreeing with me all the time. So since you're disagreeing with me now, you must be wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get all these people kind of arguing over social Mm -hmm. media, right? Mm -hmm. Like so many different topics now that people just love to argue over. 
you know, one person says they love pancakes and odd, that means auto, automatically they hate waffles, right? And people <laughs> yeah. will start an argument over it. And that's yeah. kind of like what you're seeing, mm-hmm. we know, mm-hmm. throughout the world. So what are some ways that we could combat that when it, when it comes to that type of stuff? With, like, conflict and... Yeah, like, <laughs> do you think... Well, I know you guys are going to say yes, but people should probably follow what they disagree with as well. That way they have a blend of both. Yeah. Like, and I'm going to use politics as a perfect example. If you're a Democrat, you should probably follow some, you know, Republican pages. That way you can always see both sides of the spectrum at Mm -hmm. all times. Right. Mm -hmm. And vice versa. If you're Republican, you should probably follow some Democratic pages. That way you always see both sides of the the spectrum. Mm -hmm. That way you always see both sides of the arguments in a sense, instead of just arguing with people in the comments. Mm Mm-hmm. I know people are probably listening to that going, what? I would never do that. <laughs> but that's exactly the point, right? Yeah. Is where when people hear that right away, they're, they come in, they become very standoffish and they're not open-minded to it. Mm-hmm. And that goes with a huge <clears throat> array of different topics. But that's probably one of the main ones right now at the current moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, they want what they want. <laughs> and yeah. they just want this like utopia way of like living. And it's just so unrealistic. <clears throat> I always kind of say like, conflict is so normal and it's just learning how to like deal with it and how to respect it and even to look inside like why why am I having conflict why is this person's like view and opinion irritating me like is it close to home like you know and just having some self-reflection and also being able to just like understand that we all come from so many different backgrounds so many different views like there's so many things that I think make up an individual um, that goes into why they believe in what they believe. And so just like not taking it so personally, like, I, you know, like I love waffles, like, I'm sorry you like pancakes, but that's okay. <laughs> like, tell me about why you love pancakes, you know? Right. Um, and having those type of dialogues, mm-hmm. like there's like no room for understanding and empathy is just as soon as someone gets any type of like resistance or I yeah, guess that conflict, back. yeah, yeah push back. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope, shut off and no one wants to deal Mm -hmm. Mm so yeah i guess we'll kind of see how everything kind (laughs) of unfolds in the next coming of years oh yeah so where can people find you on social media if they have any questions or anything that we because i'm I'm sure people are going to listen to this episode and be like oh i wish they would have went more thoroughly into this so where can people find you on social media if they do have questions or your profession or your job yeah, I actually do not have social media anymore. Okay. Um, five months clean. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's just for personal reasons and, like, mental health reasons. So um, I guess there isn't really a way to contact me unless you're interested in therapy, which would be psychology today, just looking up my name. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have a work Instagram account. Mm-hmm. It's something I've been meaning to do. I just have not, have not done it yet. Um, I do know the practice that we're working for is working on – creating uh, their own Instagram and Facebook account. I can send that info to you once we have it. Yeah. But yeah, Psychology Today, Open Path, Google search typically mm-hmm. will pop up our name and where we work. Um, Perfect. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you guys want to mention before we end the podcast? Any topics you guys want to touch on? Anything, any comments? Yeah. I mean, I think like overall, like I know – like everyone is just so different and hopefully this podcast was inspiring to some um and like they take away just the fact that like it's okay to receive help and it's not wrong and it's normal and 
therapists aren't crazy hopefully you know um we show just like how human we are and how like imperfect you know we are and how we struggle and uh you know my background you know I became a therapist because of that um and so there's there's always hope there's always um something to look forward to to something that can always be like restored um but sometimes you do have to put the work in and therapy's hard like not only doing it but receiving therapy like it 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 is hard work um but it can be so rewarding at the end yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and i'd say i think every therapist is so different that you know if you need special um you know circumstances or modifications like you want a faith-based therapist or you want um you know somebody who specializes in a certain field or an issue that you're looking for like search for those things and be unapologetic about your search because we we as therapists like we want to be advocates for our clients and so if they're feeling like like Haley mentioned earlier, like if it's a therapist you're just not clicking with, like we want clients to tell us, and I think any therapist would want that because we would be doing you a disservice Mm -hmm. if we didn't have that conversation at some point. So I think be an advocate for yourself as well. Um, And I think a referral point too, like if you're lacking resources of therapy, like go to your insurance too, Mm -hmm. because they will send you to certain people. Um, And I think that's a really big one. That's how a lot of people find therapists as well which is kind of going off of what you said, just like a funny story about like not being able to voice what you need in therapy. I saw a therapist for myself and I just kept feeling like she was missing me and we were kept talking about the issues that I didn't necessarily like wanted to talk about. Like I, there was something bigger, um, but I did not know how to say that to her. Cause I was like, oh, she's a therapist. She knows what she's doing. Right. But ultimately we don't know unless you speak up. We're not mind readers. Um, you know, sometimes we'll kind of dibble dabble into certain areas, but you know, um, it's okay to say, I actually, that, that issue in my life's fine. This is what I want to focus on. Okay. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, Haley, Christine, I truly appreciate you guys taking the time to sit down and have this conversation with me. Um, I truly feel like it is needed and I hope to have you guys on again and we could go over some more of the, uh, (laughs) world situations fun. <laughs> thanks for having us yeah thank you so no much problem. if you guys are listening over on youtube be sure to like and subscribe i truly appreciate it if you guys are listening over itunes you guys can leave up to a five-star review and i appreciate it for all you guys for, for always tuning in and we shall see you guys next time thank you thanks <laughs>